Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I heard you had long COVID for a little while. You had a bit of a rough time with that. Is that cleared up now, or is that still? Um, it's still ongoing, to be honest. Uh, I've seen. I've only just seen someone who's been like researching it. So like, it's taken me like two years to see someone for it. Wow. And I'm uh, yeah, I'm gonna have like a full check over and like brain scans and stuff. But they say like, unless you're, they're like looking at this trial, like this first trial that they're doing now. And unless you've got these special things where you can proper zoom in on the scans, they're all coming back as normal. But it costs so much to like do a proper scan like that. But, you know, they're, they're only being able to do it for a select few people to like have a look at like into your brain and mm-hmm. see like what's going on. It's mad. So what are the, the symptoms? What is long COVID like? It's, it was weird. Like I was, I was fine. Uh, after COVID, I just felt a bit like I got it back when it first got here, like in 2020. And I got it just after Christmas when it was just starting to make the news, but it obviously already got to the UK. I felt really like I can do as much as I used to be able to do, like walking and stuff. And I just felt really fatigued. And like, I just, I tried to battle through it. Um, and about two months, like after I had it, I just got like crippling vertigo. I had to take myself to hospital, thought I was dying. Yeah, it was weird. It's like burning and cells in my feet, like tingling down my face, like I was having a stroke. It's funny. I, I actually had that after I got the the second vaccine, the tingling. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think that. What vaccine did you have? Uh, Pfizer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, that must be like a a side effect of I don't know. I don't know what it is, but um, it was part. It it just wouldn't like go and then like nausea, dizziness, feeling of impending doom all the time it was really weird uh, yeah i remember you getting up at like three in the morning and like because through the first lockdown we were like sharing ollie's living room and i remember you getting up at like three in the morning like feeling the walls because you couldn't <laughs> walk in a straight line like yeah. and that last it didn't the thing is about it is 
it just lasts a fucking long time, like such a long time. Um, and it takes such a long time to kind of calm down. And I also had like crippling migraines like every day. So like, and I never get headaches. So to go from no headaches to a migraine, whenever you concentrate, it was horrible, you know, I just, I had to relearn my craft. Like my, my coordination was fucked up. Like it was just really strange. Never experienced anything like it. Uh, it really does affect the brain. I think if you get, if it is a long COVID you're suffering from must, they think it must cross the blood brain barrier. How have you managed to make an album throughout this? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Well, to be honest, sometimes it was the only thing keeping me going. Cause otherwise I was just focusing on how much pain I was in. Uh, so when you're like, when I, was thinking, okay, I can make this album. It was sort of like taking me away from that to an extent, you know. Because you've you've pretty much been working on this for the two years. Cause I remember seeing photos on Instagram from like probably like yeah. February twenty twenty when you were already working on the record. Yeah, we've been. It, it's been about a two year process. Mm. Um, Excuse me, like we almost finished the album just before the first lockdown, and then halfway through, we were like, we decided to scrap half of that album because it just didn't feel right. Like we we done them off to a flame last. As the as the closing track, or just the last uh, song you did? So it was it was it always felt like an opener, but it was like one of the last ones we did uh, in terms of recording, and it just felt like, yeah. geez, this is our sound, like this is the thing that we we've been working towards, and now everything has to meet this pillar. Um, and most bands, you know, it'd be, it'd be like tough shit, you know. Yeah, You'd still got to release. <laughs> but then also, like in any other circumstance as well, like we we could have just like if it was if the menu. Uh, no momentum yeah. was going the right way, then we might have actually done that because we didn't have the time to reflect and sit with it. And but with lockdown, we did, and it was yeah. just like, right, this doesn't meet, this doesn't match up, this doesn't match up, and so I ended up losing half the album, and then kind of starting to write again throughout lockdown and just recording as we got them. Yeah, that half of the album that you scrapped, how different was it to what we're hearing today? <laughs> yeah. It was really different, and we weren't happy with it. You know, we we knew deep down that it wasn't right. It wasn't good enough because we had we had like a previous incarnation of the band, which was more country anyway. Mm. And so the album we thought would just be a collection of like a few years worth of writing, but it wasn't where we were at at that point. It was kind of it just felt like we had dragged some songs from the past into this new era, and so it, it, there was like. I don't know. Like it was just a bit too. It felt like a pastiche of the things that we liked, rather than the things like an honest or authentic version of ourselves. That's interesting because I mean, you've always said that the thing that you've been about is taking that energy of the '60s folk songwriting and kind of mixing it in with the the undercurrent of current alternative roots. At what point then did you feel like you managed to strike a balance of that where it felt unforced and it felt organic? When we recorded that song, I think, when we recorded Mark, mm-hmm. we realised, oh, we can actually do what we've always wanted to do and mm. it's okay. Um, I think before we were just, we just, we, you know when you just, you're trying to find a way to do something, but you just can't find that, that moment where it all kind of lines up and you get that eureka kind of like, oh, we've, we've done it. We were, we're trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas this happened as like a random kind of, uh, it just naturally occurred, that song. Yeah. I think also like it, actually just being in the recording studio, I think a lot of our songs were written just acoustically. Mm-hmm. And so like 
maybe that's why when we actually did end up going into the studio and and sit sitting with the songs and all that sort of stuff when we went back in we had more of an idea of what we were capable of writing all together uh than we were before going into the studio we had the time so i think actually having like having that space and time to really figure out the sound in itself affected our writing as well it sounds like too that even if covid hadn't happened you would have probably gone back and changed a lot of the record because once you have that breakthrough moment the kind of perspective of everything shifts yeah i I think as well it was it was helpful because the world stopped Mm -hmm. so it was easier to kind of be like okay let's rethink let's have there's no one breathing down our necks at this point you know we didn't have a label um Mm -hmm. and lucy had her that was a song moth to flame was the song that made lucy want to sign us well at that point work with us at that point yeah work with us um so it kind of it all felt like naturally the right thing to do to kind of take a step back and like all of us were weren't like precious about it we all obviously subconsciously knew that it wasn't going the right way and we just didn't know what to do about it until that point so it was really helpful once you kind of have that that breakthrough moment does that open you up to do something like the covers ep which came out just before the album yeah i think i think the fact that we felt like we'd found our ground in terms of what we wanted like how we wanted to be i don't know like just our songwriting style that it just felt like a really exciting place to be and i think giving ourselves that challenge of well can we test this with other songs like other people's songs it's like finding our own ground in someone else's like with, with someone else's song so i think that was the thing that was really interesting yeah it was a real challenge i mean that, that was almost harder than recording the album mm. because it was just so out of our comfort zone mm. and we chose we purposefully chose songs that were so diverse that we still wanted to make in sound like us you know what i mean so it was um yeah it was just it was really like fun challenging um exercise really that we just and they're all songs we love so we're like if we could make all of these songs sound in the same vein as us that'd be amazing Mm -hmm. um i feel like we pulled it off pretty well yeah were there any lessons that you you took from that process that have carried into your music making sense i don't know i feel like we learned more about uh how to interact and and manage ourselves in the studio Mm. more than more than songwriting i think i think it was it was interesting in terms of what we actually focused on in songwriting itself like the 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 link between the songs that we chose was always about how how we connected with it and just connection through music itself and also storytelling the way that the story's told it like it really struck a chord with us i think i think it was an uncomfortable thing for us to do and we kind of learned that sometimes being uncomfortable can create something you know really interesting and that's what we're going to keep doing in our own music you know if we're not mm. sure about something um probably something it's probably to something to pursue yeah where did you feel most uncomfortable during the process of making this album then at what moment i don't know i don't know if it translates i hope it translates but i think in terms of how how much we were sharing about our lives <laughs> but i think in, in a lot of the songs there's just so many personal moments and 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 some things where it's like it's hard to tell these things but i don't know whether that's something where it's like we know exactly what that's about we know exactly i think there was a, there was an uncomfortable moment when we were when we first came across that kind of way of writing 
because it was so open, but also, you know, it, and like hearing those songs back afterwards, it's kind of like, wow, like it was uncomfortable to listen to how you truly felt about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you kind of, once we got into the flow of it and we started writing songs like that, the album just kind of worked and fell into place because of that style of writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've we've spoken a lot about is this idea of finding the sound and that clicking into place throughout the process of of making this record. But one of the things for me that's really powerful about it is the the vocal melodies. And I know you were friends prior to, to working on this project, but once you started making music together, how long did it take you to find your pocket with the vocal melodies and realize how nicely your voices pair together and, and find your pocket with that? I think that came we the harmonizing came quite naturally anyway but the double tracking really made us think oh okay like this is i don't know what it was about your double track vocal but it just opened up a lot of avenues it's also strange that in terms like the recording process changed how we wrote i, I think mm. like one, once we just once we tried out doing double tracking and things like that it it does inherently change how you write songs because like as you, you've got such a whispery voice mm. anyway, but then to hear that backed up, it just kind of inspired so much more. It was mm. like, wow, I've never heard this much power behind that kind of sound, you know? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of inspired the, we're like, how can we make this move? Cause we've got that, that sonic kind of beauty now. How can we make this move in like a really natural, but like effortless kind of way? Um, so we just went like we would we'd write the song and then when we were recording we'd change little bits we'd be like oh hang, like, why don't we try you know that make that a little bit more impressive that line a bit more impressive you know and that's kind of how those the things were created it was mainly just in the moment mm-hmm. and also a lot of like I think in lockdown we we watched that um, Milk Carton Kids at Lincoln Theatre. Oh, yeah. Like, over and over again, because it was just insane. Like, it was, I think it's one of our favourite performances. And just seeing how they work together and they mould together, I think having that time in lockdown, in that tiny space, and, and having to write half the album in that space, mm. it, it all it was like kind of serendipitous in that way. Mm. Because it really made us focus on that as a craft in itself, yeah. like uh, aside from the songwriting. Watching that Milk Carton Kids concert, you know, so many times throughout lockdown, what do you notice on the 20th viewing of it that you don't notice on the first viewing? There's always something. I mean, it could even be a, a guitar riff that I never <laughs> thought about before. Or like, it's just, there's just like, there's something about their like closeness of the way that their voices like stick to each other that. Um, always reminds me of kind of the way our voices stick to each other and it's like we could be this good one day we just mm-hmm. keep you know we keep doing what we're doing i think sometimes uh, as well like you like on upon first viewing you you witness just how impressive it is like mm-hmm. you're just kind of stunned by the fact that they can do that sort of thing and then maybe in the later viewings you realize all their dynamics like how how they can be soft in one section and and harsh in the next and they just they flow with each other seamlessly. I think that like when you pay attention to that sort of stuff and then try to execute it in your own way, you realize just <laughs> how hard oh, that is. is and how much work goes into that sort of thing. It's literally every little line. But... It's crazy. How do you 
stop yourself getting lost in the details though how do you sort of get a sense of the bigger picture and how this is going to resonate on a on a level when someone's listening to it i think we've like we've always not extensively demoed songs so like if we if we're writing them it's just important to get to from start to finish and the harmonies are a kind of secondary in that writing process so yeah. you you want that story and that that power to come through just on its own just the song itself and then afterwards it's like right there are clearly harmonies in here like how do we go about that and that's usually mostly found in the recording process but sometimes songs demand that process a little bit earlier but i think that's probably how how that's a thing <laughs> so, can, you, can you hear the yeah, dog? I don't know. We listen to the dog. <laughs> Very distracting. <Yeah. laughs> we forgot to mention we we're talking off air, but you you both currently live in a dog pound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm calling you from Scotland at the moment. I stay up in Glasgow. What's your relationship to to Loch Lomond as a place? Um, my girlfriend, uh, she lives up there, um, about 10 minutes away in Dumbarton. So, um, I, I go up there a lot and know the area quite well. Cause you've done quite a bit of writing up here. Yeah. Like I think there's quite a few, uh, well, I'd say that like, probably about three of the songs on the album, the starts of them were probably written up there. The thing I love about Scotland is that it doesn't really matter where you are. There's always hills in the background there's always like the, the view of nature somewhere i think that really helps in terms of having a clear space in your head as well and also like no one i know really has a garden <laughs> and so it's, it's quite nice just to sit in a peaceful garden with that sort of landscape in the distance that's the one thing i found strangest you know i grew up in the countryside where everyone had gardens and then moving to edinburgh and then glasgow where no one does it yeah like one of the things you miss most like parks are great but it's not the same yeah it is crazy and also like there's a room in a house that you, like in the distance like past all the houses you can really see i think there's actually a thing on our instagram with it but you can see i don't actually think it's lock plum i think it's just the clyde in the in the in the background and it's so nice like looking across to greenock and it's so nice that like, it's really nice in that room that, that is the thing that's great about scotland is that you can literally travel you know within 20 minutes you're outside the city and you're into the hills and yeah like, said. like 10 minutes away from where duck bay is <laughs> i don't know if you know <laughs> duck bay but it's yeah, like yeah. just like really nice like glass walls and like looking out on the lock it's just so nice you just like and that's the thing in the english countryside is different like i kind of see it as ju it's just dry it's just a really dry landscape um but I mean, they're good for different reasons. Yeah, I feel like Scotland reminds me more of like uh, Scandinavian countries for some reason. Yeah, it's the pines. Yeah, yeah, it's strange though because it is essentially the same country. You know, it's the same island. It's mad. Really stark differences. It's funny you you know you're saying there about the importance of location if you're surrounding yourself in this beautiful wildlife. It's it's easier to write because. We mentioned the importance of Martha Flame earlier on, but that started when you were traveling? Yeah, it was, um, well, it was kind of, I was traveling back down from Scotland to England um, and got a book on the way. And it was, it was called Martha Flame. I can't remember the author. I think it was like Stig something. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, I was reading that and I just really liked the sentiment of it. We'd, we'd already written a lot of songs 
about the particular subject and it kind of felt like it was time to let that go. Um, but there was just that element of like, it was just so hard to let go and how you're drawn to things that just aren't good for you or just unhealthy for your mental state because your heart's telling you to go there even though your, your mind is, is saying that everything's wrong. And yeah, this, this book just kind of inspired that. I literally just read a few chapters and then on my way back up to Scotland, I left it on the plane. Oh, no. so, yeah. so I'll never, I should just get it and, re- and finish it. But, um, I feel like it should be here. Yeah, it's done its job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that balance you mentioned there between your heart telling you to do something and your head kind of saying the opposite. Mm-hmm. When you're working on music, when do you feel like you listen to your heart most and when do you listen to your head most? I'd say we, we've managed to establish uh, a, a safe space now where if we're if we're talking about something that's like hard to talk about we we don't judge each other so we can actually say everything i think if there if there was any sort of air of like oh if i say this he's going to think weirdly or he's going to think i'm an asshole or something like that i don't know we wouldn't get to the crux of no. the songs the we, way that we do we separate ourselves from it mm-hmm. um i think that's why you know, people uh, do resonate with what mm-hmm. we write because we, we're not afraid to go there. We're not afraid to talk about these things. Sort of like, you know, how some bands, Fleetwood Mac, for example, talked about all of their relationships with each other. Yeah. Um, and they made that amazing album, even though it was, it was horrible mm-hmm. for them all, you know. And I think that's part of being a good artist, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, you, don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, sacrifice something for, for the sake of your art. Mm-hmm. I think also it's, it's kind of interesting. I think there might be a mixture of the two because, because largely it'll be one of us that's going through something. So like the heart kind of comes from the person that's in it and then the thought process or the, the mind is kind of from the person that's viewing it. So you get like a, a kind of a more whole or wholesome scope of one situation from us both kind of witnessing the whole thing from being in and being outside of it have you always been able to detach yourself from it in that way and kind of tackle the music in quite an objective way and keep your feelings out of it so that you can be completely authentic Weird, weirdly i i have i don't know why i just i'm able to do that and tell but some people don't like that like i'm able to talk like that to other people and mm. i think that's the, something i've had a, a problem with in the past is some people don't like what I'm saying, or mm. whereas you like you are, are kind of you can be like that in, I, in I'm life. Always, I'm more solitary. That I'd say I'm more solitary, so that I, I wouldn't necessarily share. But I feel like I'd still get an all an all right understanding. Like yeah. I think whenever it's whenever I went through something emotional when I was younger and still had music, I'd write about it, and then I'd have something productive from it, and knew from an early age that, that was how I would deal with things. Also, you're the friend in life, you know, that if I had like a massive bogey or something, (laughs) it's there. (laughs) And that's a good, you know, that's a good way to be. Yeah. And you're kind of like that in songwriting too, you know. If it's going to offend you, it's still probably still... I mean, you have to have a hard skin in this industry. If you want to do, if you want to write some great stuff, you have to be able to take people being like, that shit. Mm. You know, let's try it this way, let's try it that way. I think when you start to be a bit precious about stuff like that, it becomes quite... 
um, you just won't you won't go any further. You know, you just need to be striving to be. But it's just not. The best. It's not as authentic uh, as authentic as it could be. Yeah. What about a song like Honest Though when, I mean, I guess to a certain extent you are still writing from your perspective, but you're writing about someone else. Is it harder or easier when it's writing about someone else to still feel so separate from the emotion of the song? Yeah. I mean, with stuff like that, we don't really spell out. We wouldn't tell that person (laughs) it's about them. Um, So do they know the song is about them or are they completely unaware? I don't know. It depends how much they read into lyrics, I guess. But it's mm. been a conversation. Um, but I'm sure if they really read the lyrics, they would know it was about them. Mm. Um, but you know, like that's that's like something that was close to us at the time. So it naturally we absorbed it, which <laughs> is kind of it just came out, you know. Yeah, I think we we were both witnessing the same thing and kind of viewed it in a in a really similar way with just slightly different nuances. And I think yeah. it affected us so much in that way that we both felt compelled to write about it. So we both had our own voice on what was going on. Did you have conversations about the subject matter before you wrote the song on it? Sort of. <laughs> we kind of were talking about it in our real lives. Yeah. We, we were around this situation. Um and saw that you know things weren't okay mm-hmm. um and also they had those conversations with the person that it was about and that's kind of what all of those things joined together to kind of create the song i think i think was it was it latchkey as well that came it was sort of was born out of a, a normal conversation yeah it was it was a strange one because we we were kind of just chilling in the living room and we knew that we had songs to write and it it was one of those weird ones where it it was quite instant. Yeah, like, that, that one when the riff came first. The riff came first, but then also like like sometimes you would sing in gibberish or like phonetics to try and just get a melody down or whatever. And but for some reason with that one, the first verse was was the gibberish <laughs> like, but it's it made sense to us. Like it was kind yeah. of like a subconscious and like it really makes me think of my life in so many mm. ways like i love being driven places or being in the car and a lot of it is about you know those journeys where you have those really weird like when you're alone with someone it doesn't matter who it is even if it's my mum it's like i've got you here now i'm going to talk to you about something that mm. i want to talk to you for you know ages <laughs> about and it's a light trap yeah it's a light trap <laughs> there's just something nice about being like whilst you're moving it just feels like it's you're safe because mm-hmm. everything you say is almost being left behind. Mm. You know? but we like have, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have different opinions of what the song is about. Like, I think that's quite nice or interesting, at least, in terms of... That's kind of what, that's how it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what I mean, though. It's so, like, it's everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something, like, the way it's, the lyrics in it are so, like, oh, like, I've done that, or that's been me at some point, mm-hmm. you know? That everyone sees it in a different way, mm. which is quite nice, really. It means it has like so. It's like one of those books that you choose the ending of, and you're like, you know, do I turn left or do I turn right? It's sort of mm. like you uh, you run the album off on on Half Light. So how did the the recording of that compare to the rest of the album? Because it's one that feels a little bit more raw, perhaps. Well, that one's <laughs> that one's on tape. Like yeah. we kind of like for some reason, all, like. It's kind of just a little ditty, and it definitely always felt like a closer. Yeah, it just felt like a moment, and we wanted to make it a moment. 
like an all-in-one. And I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still like frustrated by it because yeah, like, I yeah. did a rehearsal for it and it was so good. And then we're like, right, let's do the recording. And then like in the recording, I felt like it could have gone slightly better. But it's just one of those things. It was like it was important for us that it was a moment and it was and it felt real. I really love that song. Yeah, that's my my favorite song. It's almost like a very intimate epilogue to the album. Yeah, and just the lyrics, the way it's recorded, I, I just love it. And Jack like always cringes. <laughs> I guess I'm the same with my one. You know? Yeah, that's just yeah. whenever we go solo on anything, it's just a bit like it just heightens that vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but I, I honestly, the lyrics in that song are so good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you're most vulnerable on the album? Do you think? Um. That or midpoint, I guess. Yeah, that that or midpoint is it's kind of like I think the, the weird thing is is Half Light is about Ollie's situation in in one of his relationships, but we we just come off of like a phone call and I I felt like I was in his shoes entirely, like not in my, my place in my life at that stage, but just really felt for him. Um, and it just it all just came out, and I sent it on WhatsApp. We almost didn't use it. Same as fake moon, weirdly. Yeah. Um, I always liked it. I always persuaded mm. you to use it. Um, but yeah, neither of us like our own songs. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one does, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this album, the songs within it, they do look at the the more difficult aspects of life and, and difficult events that you've gone through, which in this weird sort of uh, parallel turn it to be great fuel for creativity. Can you be happy and creatively fulfilled at the same time, do you think? This is the question, because um, we're both, well, you're actually, weirdly, in like a limbo now, <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm incredibly happy now. Like that, that, that album for me was therapizing, if it's that word. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> it therapized me. Um, and like, I just feel completely like everything I was holding on to, all those moments, I can now be free of instead of having it was almost yeah it was literally like i'd been to therapy it's, t- it's um, turning that sort of thing into something productive and something that you can be proud of so yeah like you'll never feel the the horrible side of those emotions because you'll you'll remember the fun process of <laughs> all this yeah. like all this music that came from it exactly instead. and that it's turned it into good things yeah um, even though like when i hear it i'm like oh shit i was really suffering yeah. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful now. I, I'm gonna love this album forever. Um, I just feel like that that album was very me, and this next album that we're currently writing is gonna be Jack's turn. So who knows what's gonna happen after that? <laughs> we'll both be happy and write a really weird pulse. <laughs> <laughs> on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns